Can I still say, even though I love preaching, I love this stuff. I love the pray stuff, the prayer stuff. I really don't think that the church does this enough. I don't think that we think it actually happens. That's actually possible. Um, all things are possible. So, let's. Uh, why don't you grab a Bible? Uh, if you got brought your own, sweet. If you did not, look in the the aisles. Pass one down. Uh, we are in uh, the middle of Mark, not the middle, the beginning of Mark, and we are going to be looking at Mark chapter six, starting at verse forty-five. If uh, you need a Bible from the aisles, it's on page six ninety-nine, and we are looking at. Um, who is this Jesus that we profess? Who is this Jesus that we believe provides hope uh, for the prisoners, who's come to set the prisoners free? Who is this Jesus that heals? Who is this Jesus that, who is this Jesus that you fill in the blank? And so one of the things that we're doing is we are going to walk faithfully through the entire Gospel of Mark, section by section, all 70-some weeks of it. So... Stick with me, folks. We've got till 2020 to get through it. So, so um, Mark chapter 6, starting at verse 45, and I'm reading from uh, the English Standard Version. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave, after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. He meant to pass them by, but when, he saw, he saw, when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost, and they cried out. For they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded. For they did not understand about the loaves from the previous section. But their hearts were hardened. When they crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring uh, the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came, in the villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as were touched, as many as that were touched it, that touched it, were made well. We just got done last week looking at um, this miraculous story of of Jesus breaking bread and feeding people, and Jesus' very pointed words to his disciples, saying, "You feed them. You go out, see what you have, and you feed them." You bring what you can to me, and you watch what's going to happen. And he broke this bread continually, piece by piece, and everybody was filled. 
But today we're looking at a, a totally different story. And one of the things that I, I, I need to kind of give you a picture, a picture of how um, the early church read this. As they watch, as they read through all of this, they are looking through the eyes, looking at Scripture and saying, this is our story. This is a story about the early church as much as it is a, a story for us where we find ourselves in this story. And often in, in early Christian art, you would see pictures depicting the church in the boat. Not just the 12 disciples, but the whole church would be in this boat out on this rough sea. And it's also a story for us imagining us, Missio Dei, in the boat. Can we picture ourselves out on the sea? What would be our response? Where do we find ourselves? Because this is a story really about us. And this picture was typically stylized as a real bathtub-looking little boat out on a rough sea. And they were scared to death of what was going to happen. Rough water. And we've got to be able to look at Christ's church, our church, in the storms of life. And the ministry of our church in the storms of life and try to say, what is our response to him? What is our response to Jesus Christ in the storms of life? The story took place right after this huge miracle, the feeding of the 5,000. And there's this strange thing that you see right away in verse 45. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat. And go before him to the other side. He said, okay, boys, we just had this great time of this miraculous feeding of 5,000. Actually, it's more probably about the eight to 10,000 people. Jesus just feeding them left and right. And this, these disciples were just in this, oh my gracious, five loaves, two fish. He fed all these people. This is amazing. And Jesus said, all right, get in the boat. Go off to the other side. And there's this real urgency where Jesus says, I need you to get into the boat. I need you to get in the boat to get to the other side. Get in the boat. And Peter's going, come on, Jesus, hold on. Do you not realize this is a great marketing ploy right now for you ushering into the kingdom of God right here, right now. All 10,000 of these people saw what you did. This is a perfect time. But Jesus goes, hold on. Pete, you need to zip it. Get into the boat. It's almost this I picture of Jesus putting them in the boat one by one. Come on, Peter, come over here. Get in the boat. Get in the boat. Pushing it off. I'll see you on the other side. And they're going, what are you thinking, Jesus? This is a great opportunity. But what Jesus was seeing is something totally different. He was seeing that all these people were just excited because the Messiah is here. The promised political Messiah is here. It is time to inaugurate him into the system. It's time to kick out the Romans and use Jesus as our new leader, the promised Messiah. And we're going to institute a different kind of kingdom. And Jesus is going, no, that is not who I am. 
In John 6, it says this. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who came into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew. They got fueled by this messianic fervor after the feeding. And Jesus wanted the disciples out of there unless they would feed that fire even more. The twelve were reluctant to get into the boat. They were like children having a heyday. This is just sweet, Jesus. And they didn't want to get in the car to go home. But Jesus corralled them, insisting that they get into the boat. And he gave the boat a shove. And we need to keep in mind that Jesus forced his disciples to go out onto the sea. It was Jesus who said, get in the boat. And I'm putting you out into that sea. And having dismissed his disciples, Jesus went up onto the mountain. And it says he went up onto the mountain to pray. Jesus realized what was going on. He realized the weight of everything that was going on. And though Jesus was one with the Father, he lived in constant Prayer. Constant prayer. And in times of crisis, to the times of the, the times in the garden, he was always on his knees. In the garden of Gethsemane, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Constantly praying. And we cannot reverently say that even in prayer, it was the only safe place for Jesus. And indeed, it's the exact same thing for us. It's in prayer that it's a safe place. But what did Jesus pray for? What was he? We don't see anything. I am willing to put money on that Jesus was praying that he would live out the mission that God has put him on. Fully man, fully God. God, keep me focused. Father, keep me focused on this mission that you have me on. Vince Havner has, has said this before. It's, he said this, if you don't come apart and rest, you will come apart. And even Jesus realized that. He needed to spend that time in holy prayer. Just before the Father, just, Father, I don't want to come apart, so I will come apart. I will take myself away. My, the house group that I'm involved in, we listened to a, a DVD this week called Noise where it's just talking about all the noise of the society right now, whether it be the radio, whether it be iPods, whether it be TV, whether it be just the hustle and bustle of our life, and we just go, 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 and we challenged each other to take time away, time of solitude. Even in our busy schedule, take time away. This week, I escaped. St. Francis of the Woods, not many Protestants there. Not many people need my time there. But it was silent. Eerily silent. And refreshing. Jesus said, I need to go to the mountain and pray. I need time away. And the same is exactly true for us. God needed 
Jesus needed to find renewal from the Father. So Jesus was on this mountain and he was praying as, as this Passover moon was starting to come up in the sky, just illuminating everything. So we see, we can just in our mind's eye see Jesus praying before the Father, his praying figure on his knees, just praying, God, keep me focused. Lord, thy will be done. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. And over, you can just see on the sea, a storm is just starting to come up. A storm is starting to come up, and you can see this little boat being tossed on the sea. The church being tossed at sea. And we see Jesus praying. It's even in Scripture, we hear that Jesus is still interceding for us. The church, His children. So down on this little shining lake, as this Passover moon is coming up, we see the tiny church struggling. In verse 47 and 48, we see this. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully. The disciples were sent out dutifully to this destination. But the wind came out of nowhere, and it was just... They were out there by themselves, alone. And Jesus sent them out there. Probably at this point, Peter had taken charge. You, you can see this older guy, the, the beard just dripping with, with this water just splashing up on him. And he's, come on boys, row, row. And it was just this painful, painful thing of just, gosh. They weren't in imminent danger. They were just making slow Painful headway into the wind, struggling and struggling and struggling and struggling. And they are miserable in the open air, water splashing on them from this, this cold sea. And ironically, the, the disciples were in the middle of this miserable trouble because they obeyed. Because they obeyed Jesus and got into the boat, even though reluctantly, they obeyed. And what a lesson for us. What a lesson for us. Imagine what this, if they were disobedient, what they could have had. They would more than likely had a nice warm place to stay. They would have had a lot of food and they would have had a lot of opportunities to share with people about, wow, this is what Jesus did. That's what disobedience might have brought. But obedience brought something else. It brought discomfort. Obedience brought them discomfort. It was obedience that accounted for Helen Reservoir, who was a, a missionary in, in the Congo, who came in a very violent time of uprest. And she was raped. Multiple times before she was released. But she continued to be faithful. Corey Ten Boom. Her faithfulness. Brought her to where? Ravensbrook. You can look at the Voice of the Martyr webpage and just see what faithfulness brings. It often brings discomfort. But here in our American church, 
our obedience seems to bring us what? Apathy? Apathetic? But I believe that if you really submit your life to Christ in obedient commitment, you will expose yourself to a wide variety of sorrows, a wide variety of pain. And this passage is really the, the coup de grace to the prosperity gospel. Name it and claim it just does not work for this experience. If you never climb a mountain, you'll never bruise your shins, and you'll never stand at the, the peak of the mountain and experience victory. You never play baseball and you're never going to strike out, but you'll never hit a home run either. You never obey Jesus Christ and you may miss some of life's contrary winds. But you will also never know the winds of the Holy Spirit in your sails blowing you on in service and in His power. It's a dilemma for us that we've got to face. It's a dilemma that we've got to struggle with of what does obedience really bring us? Because I think that what we would really, you'd really like for me to hear is that if you're obedient to Jesus Christ, your family life is going to be perfect. Your work, it'll be nothing but God will just bless the pants right off of you or bless more pants on you. Whatever, how do you ever want to picture it? You know, if you're just faithful to Jesus, He will give and give and give and give and give. But this, this, this picture does not really come that way. Faithfulness, true biblical faithfulness, obedience, commitment to Jesus Christ does not really give us all this pretty stuff. It requires us to pick up a cross, a painful cross, and follow Him. It calls us to, to count the cost. And say, what does biblical obedience look like? And am I really willing to, to follow it? It makes us ask, why did Jesus, does Jesus give such ridiculous orders? Does He not care for us? If obedience to Him is going to be nothing but a kick in the shins, what kind of a God is that? We've got to remember, Jesus' focus on the mountain was for those who were undergoing this difficult time on account of their obedience to Him. It's often during our, these rough times when we're seeking to be faithful that we wonder, is God blind? Does God really hear my, my cries, my pain, my sorrow? And that's often when we become Wondering, is there really a God? Is there really a God? But it's the beautiful thing, if we really read on, that provides me encouragement. It, it goes on to say in verse 48, at about the, the fourth watch of the night, He went out to them, walking on the water. And it was probably in a very eerie scene. You're out there, busting your tail, 
working against the waves, working against the wind. You're covered, you're wet, you're angry at Peter, who's probably at the front, saying, row, row, and you're just getting angry. And it's like, why did Jesus put us out here? And then out of nowhere, you see this thing walking on the water. I'd flip. I'd flip. It was at the darkest night, at the darkest time of the night, though, that Jesus came. When they were totally exhausted, they used all of their energies, and they were were at their deepest despair. They were just pooped. They were done. They were exhausted. And I believe this is also when Jesus comes to us. That we might learn in our futility of our own strength that we should depend on Him. The very waves that distressed them, that freaked them out, that sent them over the edge, were the very path, was the very path for His feet. The thing that they were struggling was the very path that Jesus came out He not only sees, but He enters our human struggle by coming to us, coming to them through the very thing that wears us down. So I want you to think right now, what is that very thing for you? What is that that thing that you have been struggling against and fighting against and working against and going, God, are you ever going to be faithful with this? Answer this prayer. Come on, God. What is it? That, what is that? You fill in that blank. Because we all have that blank if we're really honest. Men, maybe, maybe it's, it's that struggle against pornography. We're, we're battling, we're battling, we're battling, we're battling. But Jesus comes in. And he enters into our picture. Maybe it's the finance, the storm of finances that we have going on. Maybe it's the relationships or the lack of relationships that we're in. Maybe it's family. But Jesus seems to use that, that very thing to enter into our story. And what was the response to this storm-tossed little church? These storm-tossed men? Well, verse 49 kind of says, um, When they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost. And they cried out. They cried out. They, they, They were terrified. They were exhausted. It literally means that they They screamed. They thought it was a ghost, a, a phantom, some kind of apparition that was out there. Why didn't they recognize Jesus? Why didn't they just go, Peter, you can stop, you can stop screaming at us. Jesus is over there. Last time, he, 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 he stilled the sea. Remember that? Why didn't they this time, after experiencing an extreme storm where they thought they were going down, They've had that experience, and Jesus just said, wind, stop it, waves, settle down, I'm going back to bed. 
Why this time, when they were out on this storm, exhausted, did they look out and think it was a ghost instead of recognizing Jesus? My bet is because they did not expect to see him. They didn't expect to see him. Though they had just got done seeing 5,000 being fed, they had not really understood who Jesus is. At the, at the very end it said, For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. And I believe the same is true for us. So often when Christ comes in our misery, our pain, our struggle, we reject Him. Because we don't believe that He would really come to our aid. Or we, we think that He would help others, but that He's totally unaware of our situation, my situation. Or in the screwed up pathology that we have in our own hearts, we may even reject His help when it comes because it does not come in the way that we expect. Jesus, this is how I want you to work. But God goes, oh, I'm sovereign. I've got a better idea. How about this? And we reject His help. So we often just push away the very hand that is offering help and healing and hope. But even in our fear, Jesus comes and says, Take heart. It's me. Take heart. It's me. And then the voice of Jesus is a thing that just gives us hope. And again, can we hear the voice of Jesus in the noise of our lives? In, in Matthew 14, we see uh, Matthew's version of this whole thing. And in, in Matthew 14, this is um, Peter, who was kind of the informant for the Gospel of Mark, kind of leaves this out. I don't know, maybe there was a little bit of pride on Peter's side. But this is what uh, took place in 14. Lord, if it is you, command me to come out to you on the water. He said, Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And then it goes on to say, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, Oh, you a little faith. Why'd you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you're the Son of God. It's easy to bash Peter. You ding-dong, you're walking on the water. Run a marathon while you're out there, that's cool. I don't know many people that have walked on water. You can bash them all you want. I think most of us would have hung a leg over the opposite side saying, I need to get out of here, start swimming towards shore. But he walked. He took those first steps. And when we see Christ coming 
and meeting us in our troubles, we grow stronger. And sometimes we even take a step or two, a step or two, not the whole marathon, not running across the whole lake, but just a step or two on the waves. We take a step or two trusting Jesus even more in our crappy situation, our painful situation, our confusing situation, say, Lord, if it's you, I'm going to come out to you. Take a step or two. Oh, here I go. I'm back down again. And Jesus goes, come on. Trust me. Even in the pain. Even in the questions. And we grow stronger by taking a step of faith. A step of trust. Job. Job was dealt a rough, rough hand. Nobody wants to be Job. If you want to be Job, read Job. In Job 42, it says this. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. If we're obedient to Christ, there'll be plenty of storms. There'll be Danger and difficulty and weariness and exhaustion and exposure and anxiety and dread and sadfulness. There'll be all kinds of things. We'll be open to a whole slew of potential sorrows and stresses which are really unknown to the uncommitted heart. But here is what we need to remember. Christ sees all and knows when we feel we are alone. And He prays for us. He cares deeply for His church when we're in the storm. And He comes to us in the midst of these huge waves and the gales of life. And He comes to us on the storm. In the storm. In the midst of all of our pain. He comes. And he calls out, it's me. Don't freak out. It's me. It's the I am. I'm the bread of life. It's me. Well, we have the heart of Peter who says, Lord, if it's it's really you, I'm going to step out. Even in the storm. Place my trust even more fully in you. I'm going to take a step. I'm going to take a step. I believe that we learn more about Jesus Christ as we venture out onto the troubled waters. We learn more about about Jesus when we're in our pain than when we're on our mountaintops. Because our hearts have to trust. So this morning I wonder, what is it that God is saying to you, the church? As we step out, what is He calling to you in the middle of what pain, what turmoil, what anxiety, what questions, what fears? Is He saying, hey, It's me. 
And what is going to be your response? Will you stay in the boat, maybe one leg on the other side, and just say, man, I'm, I'm going to swim to shore. I've got better, better odds swimming this alone. Are you ready to step out in faith? To take that step of faith. What is it that God is saying to you? Because here's the beautiful thing. The price has been paid for us. All things are available to those who confess His name and trust Him. Do we believe that He is God? And can we move in such a way that our testimony proves it? Today I want to encourage you just to open your eyes wide open. Will you commit yourselves to wherever He sails you and directs you? Will you commit your, yourselves to following Him? In these storms. Will you make the commitment of stepping out in faith? Because as we, we enter into this, this next piece of, of communion. This is a, a testament to our, our trust in God. Our understanding of who he is and what he's able to do in our lives. And what he has been able to do. And some of us come to should not even come to this table for a little bit until we're ready to really submit our lives. It's in this meal that we remember His goodness, His provision, His care. First Corinthians says that some of us need to really examine our heart. And if there is unrepentance in, if there's an area in your life that you refuse to really change because it's comfortable, because maybe the storm has added some kind of, you're kind of a storm junkie, you enjoy that. And maybe you just, I'd much rather stay in this instead of allowing Jesus to enter into my boat, enter into my storm, enter into my life. If that's your case, I just ask you to sit back. Don't take communion. Maybe if you need some prayer, I'll be in the back. Matt will be in the back. Nathan, wherever he is, might be, will be in the back. And we'll pray for you. We'll join you in asking God to open up your eyes. Shepherd you carefully, tenderly. So on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus uh, took the bread and said, You know what? Boys, you've watched me multiply it. And this is my body, which is just broken for you. My perfect life given for you in the storms of life. In the same way, after, after the meal, he 
He took the cup of blessing and He poured it. And He said, this is the blood of a new covenant poured out for you for the complete remission of all your sins. So you are no longer objects of wrath, but you are objects of joy in God's eyes. We celebrate by means of intention. Those who are serving can come up. We'll have two service sides. You'll be offered a piece of bread. First, the body of Christ broken for you. And the blood of Christ poured out for you. Take a piece, dip it, and eat. Come when you are ready. We don't go by rows. Spend some time in prayer. If it's in the back that you need some, somebody to pray with you, uh, we'd, we'd love to pray with you. So come, for all things are ready.